I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be sharing with you lessons I've learned and conversations I've had that will help you become who you want to be together. Today's conversation was so much fun. I talked with Jessie Seneca about the top 10 things she wished she knew as a young mom. I don't know about you, but whenever I got the opportunity to pull up a seat and listen to what an experienced mama has to say, I am all ears. It's so helpful to hear stories of what they got right and what they would do differently. Not only is Jessie a mom of grown children, but she is a national speaker, author, leadership trainer, and the founder of More of Him Ministries. She leads leadership and the Real Mom Conference. Her ministry helps women grow in God's word and experiences his touch on their lives. In our conversation today, we talked about the simple ways to stay connected to God even in the busy seasons, the places that resentment and bitterness can sneak up in our motherhood and marriage, and the power of being humble and apologizing to our kids. Plus, we also talk about her upcoming event, the Real Mom Conference, which is happening this month, and it just happens to be in my neck of the woods in North Jersey. We are giving away a free ticket, so be sure to listen until the end of this episode so you can find out how to enter to win. Hello, Jesse. It is incredible to have you on the podcast today. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be with you. So a question that we ask all of our guests is, what is your family known for? Yeah, I know you sent me that question and I was like, well, I know what I want my family to be known for. (laughs) Um, Well, you know, I have older girls now. They're 32 and soon to be 30. I cannot Mm -hmm. believe that. Wow. What I can't believe is that I'm a mother of those older, you know, those older kids. But um, our family motto while our girls were growing up was a family that plays together, stays together. Because we were just always on some kind of field, usually the softball field. Um, my girls, you know, played all through college, and my husband was their coach for a lot of those teams. And so we we definitely did a lot together, playful. And we, my husband's the funny one, you know, of the family. And so we we just think that humor and fun is a big part of the family dynamics and. Um, it, I also think that it helps kids want to come back, you know, to your home when you have that fun atmosphere. So um, that's what I think that we're probably known for. But I also think people look at our family and think that we're a very, you know, close knit family. Oh, I love that. Um, I guess. So you have older kids that no longer live in your home. So how has your your culture transitioned? Do you find that you and your husband are still known for those same things that you were over the years or have it has have things shifted? Like what is what does your culture look like now without your children? Cuz I'm like I have teenagers and I know I still have some time, but I'm like what is this going to look like? <laughs> You're knocking on the door of that, right? Well, yeah. there's a lot of transitions, you know, th- as, as your kids, yours are starting to hit the 20s, right? Mm-hmm, You're mm-hmm. A few years away from that. But there's that transition, right? When they go to college, 
you know, the empty nester and it, life looks a little bit different. Mm-hmm. We were fortunate enough that our girls went to Messiah College. So that wasn't too far from us. And we were able to um, see them frequently, be at all of their games. So we were still a big part of their life. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things that we kind of always hoped for was that when they left the home, they really appreciated the home, right? And so that that did transfer, you know, into college and they realized, you know, everything that you put into them and you pour into them all those years, uh, they did come to really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. So that was awesome. Um, And we did, you know, we still had that family, family dynamics of being together. Uh, And then as they get married, you know, that definitely changes. We're very fortunate that we have wonderful sons-in-law and um, they're great. But now we have grandchildren and we have three grandsons and my other daughter, um, I have two girls. She's expecting her second. We don't know what she's having yet, but we have three grandsons. And so I feel like the dynamics is once once they got married and they started having children, the dynamics of the family kind of continued, right? Because mm-hmm. you want to be, you know, it, it's so true. The saying is, if I knew it was going to be this great, I would have had grandchildren first. <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of thing. And so that fun, you know, and, and my one grand, my oldest grandson turns three this this weekend. And so it's starting to get really fun again, you know, with being in their life and wanting to be with them. So I don't know. We, we've kind of transferred it and we've been very blessed that, you know, our girls still enjoy being with us. And so do their husbands. You know, that's a big part of that. So, um, yeah, it's kind of just transferred right into that next stage. But there definitely was a little bit of a gap, right, when, you know, your kids are trying to find themselves and they're at college and they have their own lives. And, you know, um, although we were still a part of that, but it was different. Yeah, no, that's good to hear. I do, I do find, you know, what's interesting is that you were talking about that gap. Like I look back on my transition from college to living on my own to then circling back to being a part of our, my parents' life and my husband's parents' life. And there was, there was this gap, like where we were trying to figure everything out. And then when we got married and we started having kids, we were like, okay, like we circled back. And so that's interesting that you said that because I've observed that. I just didn't know if that was like, the thing, <laughs> what I should expect. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. All right. So I think today is going to be a fun conversation because you're here to talk to us about the top 10 things that you wish you knew as a young mom. And I think, I mean, you've already shared with us, you, you have the experience, you've been there, done that. You've had time to look back and reflect on what mattered, what didn't matter. Um, so yeah, let's just jump on in and let's, let's talk about those things. Okay. Yeah. The, the first thing, you know, being a Christian family, one of the things that was really important for me and that, and this kind of all happened even while I was raising my kids was just realizing that um, a close walk with God was really still important through the busyness of motherhood. Um, And, you know, Kimberly, I remember when my girls were at a young age, elementary age, I was, I was a stay at home mom, but you know, once, once you're a stay at home mom, you're not a stay at home mom, (laughs) you know, because if your kids go, my kids went to Christian school and you become room moms. And, you know, I was doing other things, neighborhood Bible studies. I was running a children's program at our church. 
And so I kind of lost for a year that importance of connecting and staying close to God just because of the busyness of life. And what I realized was that my main ministry was my family and that I needed to reprioritize that. And so keeping that relationship open with God and making it a priority uh, to be in his word I think is really vital. And, you know, I I teach a lot of young moms classes. I've written a book called Raising Girls, Diaper to Diamond, and we've kind of done book studies online and that type of thing. And it is important to get into the word of God because that's what changed my life. But what I share with moms is it's not about getting into the word. I know that sounds contradictory, but listen, It's about the word getting into you. So if you can only sit on one verse for an entire week, it's okay. And and listen, I even find that for myself in this stage of life, Kimberly, with helping watching grandkids. If I have to be over there, you know, by 8 o'clock in the morning, I may get up and just read a daily bread or my utmost for his highest and, and really just try to take that in for the day. And maybe I might drive over, I listen to a podcast or a teaching audible book, something like that. So today moms have a lot more um, options than when we were younger, you know, because of the smartphones, because of having apps on your phone and everything right at your fingertips, you know, you can even look at a, a Bible verse before you get out of bed, you know? Um, So I think that's really important to, to keep that still in the busyness of life, keeping that relationship with God open. Yeah, I like how you flip that. I like getting the word verse, getting the word in you. And I think that's so true. And I think that's so freeing for busy moms, moms, littles who are like, I just don't, I can't make time for this. I don't know how to do this. I know that I carried a lot of guilt when my kids were getting, were younger, that I wasn't spending an hour in the Bible Mm -hmm. and in prayer. And you know, it took a while until I did meet some friends who came alongside me and was like, this is a crazy season, you know, do what you can stay connected to God. And, and I began to get creative and I just felt there was a freedom in that. Yeah. And I, I think it really came to reality for me watching my girls, you know, in these last few years of having babies, working full time, and, and trying to be that good Christian mom, right? And, and I saw it through their eyes and, and I was like, whoa, you know, something's got to give here, right? So just the fact that you're, you know, reading something I think is, is really, really huge. Yeah. All right. So number two. Yeah. I think um, keeping your home a um, marriage-centered home and not a kid-centered home, uh, because we can get so caught up and lost in our kids as a mom that we kind of put our husbands on the back burner. And listen, 18 years, and you, you're, you've seen this, you sent one off to college, it's fast. It's like the blink of an eye, right? I mean, I know everybody says it, but you know, when, when you're walking your daughter down the aisle, you're like, where did this all go? You know, where did this all happen? And so, you know, you, you're with your husband a lot more years than you are with your kids in your home. And so, you know, making sure that you keep that relationship with your husband um, 
vital and, you know, fun and intact. And, you know, we, we would take, we would even just take a walk once our kids were old enough to be home by themselves. You know, we would just go, you know, for a walk in the neighborhood, um, just the two of us. And, you know, maybe it was just a half hour, but it was enough time to be able to talk, um, you know, and that, and I remember one of our neighbors, um, they had gotten a divorce. And I remember her walking with me one day, just we were going past her house and she was walking with me. And she said to me, this is why your marriage is lasting. And I was like taken back by it. And I was like, what do you mean? She goes, well, you guys walk together, you know? And she said that, I think that really makes a big difference. And I'm not saying walking together is always going to save your marriage, but, you know, you find that, that common ground of being able to to be with one another, making each other a priority. Yeah, I think that's so true. I know for us, in the, when my kids were real little, when I had three kids under the age of five, that's when my husband was working the most. Like he was working 60 hours a week. He would, he'd wake up, rush and jump on the train, commute into the city, and then he wouldn't come home until we were all in bed. Um, and so like this, my, my life did become centered around my children because that's who I was with, you know, and, but I needed to be, and it was, it was actually a difficult transition when he started putting boundaries on work. And when he started being home in the evenings, I started to be like, Nope, this is my time. I'm watching this too. I really had to be mindful and recognize, Hey, my husband's home now. I can't keep doing what I was doing before I need to transition. And I, and I not needed to deal with bitterness too, and not hold it against him that he wasn't there. And now encroaching upon my time and we have a way that we do things. And now you want to come home in the evening. <laughs> Listen, Kimberly, I'm kind of going through a little bit of that <sighs> as my husband's thinking about retiring. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm like, Oh, he's going to be on my space. You know, I'm going to have to change some things. So, you know, it's always transitioning, right? You just kind of have to go with it. And I I know I have had to check myself too, and just not have that resentment or, you know, there's a lot of moms that feel like that at times. So yeah, that's good advice from you. It's real. (laughs) It's real. The struggle is real, right? (laughs) Okay. So number three, Um, I would say watch for teachable moments, uh, in the book of Deuteronomy chapter six, it tells us that we're to teach our kids to love the Lord, right? We're supposed to do that when we're walking by the wayside, when we're laying down, when we're, you know, just doing regular day life. And that can be, you know, at the park with your kids. And there's a moment that you can teach them, you know, so just being mindful and watching for those, those teachable moments. That's good. I like that one. All right. What are we on? Four? Four. (laughs) Um, I think, let me think. Um, Embracing sacrifice as um, an obedience to God, because I think that if we could sum up motherhood in one word, I think sacrifice would be kind of at the top of the list. And I know for me, Um, I I can vividly remember this. I was sitting, standing at my kitchen sink, washing dishes when my kids were little and, you know, just being like, oh, how many loads of wash, how many, you know, dishes. And, And when I changed my mindset as though I was doing it 
unto the Lord, it really changed the way I looked at what I was doing. And and that, you know, transferred to everything from cleaning the house to doing the laundry to, you know, carpooling. I'll tell you, one of the biggest saddest moments of my life, I guess, when I was raising my kids, which there's a great independence that comes with it. But when my kids started to drive, you know, I missed having them and their friends in the car because that was a time where you, excuse me, could hear what was going on. You're involved in their life. And when they start to drive, you're not so much, you know, a part of that. So I think just embracing that season of life when you are raising the kids, because you learn a lot through that. And, you know, I look back over my life and all that I've done, the different ministries I've been in, the illness I dealt with, raising my kids, it it all prepared me for where I am today in full-time ministry. And so I think that, you know, just realizing that ministry to your family is your number one ministry. And, even though it's sacrificial, it really is meaningful and it, it it will have an eternal glory. Yeah, that's so good. I felt myself, um, you know, as my kids got older, I taught them to be independent, to make their own lunch and to even make their own breakfast. And, you know, I try to get up, I, for the most part, I get up before they do. I sit on the couch, I have my morning routine. I do my prayer time and stuff and, you know, I'll read something. And I found myself starting to get resentful. And I'm like, thinking this is a, like an undercurrent, <laughs> I'm like bringing up resentment and bitterness again. Um, no, but I started to get annoyed that I had to take care of them in the morning because I knew they were capable of taking care of themselves. And there was a shift that took place that I felt God showed me. I'm getting to set the tone for their day mm-hmm. by being up and being present and actually making them their breakfast. Of course, they can make their breakfast on their own. I mean, they still do sort of pitch in and help make their lunches because sometimes they get picky about what they want. But like the opportunity to be up and be joyful before they come down those steps and to be able to serve them just for that 20 minutes Mm -hmm. sets them up for success in their day. And I think about, you know, nobody wants to go to work or to school rushed or um, frustrated or you know, and I have an opportunity to, to speak life and encouragement into them in those early hours. And so why wouldn't I take the opportunity to enjoy that sacrifice, enjoy what it is that I'm able to do for them? Mm -hmm. I think you're so, so right. Because, you know, in the morning they're rushing to get out of the house. They barely can sometimes, you know, I felt like I had to take a bulldozer and roll them out of bed, you know, before they, they got going. And, And I think you're so right. You know, setting that tone, a mom really does set the tone for the home. And, you know, it tells us in Titus too, we're to manage our homes and that means, you know, taking care of it and preparing and, and all of that. And so, yeah. And, and, you know, it's so short lived that mm-hmm. I, I think when you look back, you realize how short lived it is. And you kind of want to pour that into that next generation to say, Hey, don't take any of this for granted. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. What's the next one? Um, allow mm-hmm. others to help, you know, because a lot of times we try to do it on our own. Oh, I can do this. Yeah. You know what? You probably can do it, but if you allow others to help and I won't go into the full details, but I I dealt with a disease called Cushing syndrome for 
20 plus years, most of the years of my girls, all of the years they, they were growing up, um, I, it, the onset was when they were two and a half years old in six months. And through the many, many different surgeries, um, you know, people wanted to help. They wanted to make meals. They wanted to help watch the kids. You know, they they wanted to give my husband and I a night out. And it and I really do think, I mean, you hear it said all the time, it takes a village, right, to raise a family. And so allowing others to help you and be a part of it. And, you know, I only had girls. Now God's given me all these grandsons and it's so fun. I love it. I got to go to the chiropractor every other week, but I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> you know, um, but having, allowing others to come into your kids' lives. If it's women with your, your daughters, men with your sons, it's really important that they have other role models in their life besides just you. And again, don't get resentful for those relationships, but celebrate them because it's really important in their lives. And we, we have some women in our girls' lives that, you know, was a huge impact on them. And they're still great, you know, now friends with them. And actually one of them walked down the aisle with the grandparents, you know, at their, our, our girls' weddings, because that's how much they poured into them, you know, through the years of growing up. So I think that allowing others to help is really a vital part of, of raising well-balanced kids. Oh yeah, that's excellent. For our kids' 13th birthday, we had, you know, for my son, men, and for my daughter, women, write them letters about the next season they were headed into. And we chose people that we felt had already been a part of their lives, who had spoken into their lives or who they respected and cared about, because we wanted them to know it's not just mom and dad who believes in you. It's not just, you know, mom and dad who care about you and see a future for you and want the best for you. Like these people are invested in you and we want you to know who they are. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think that was, I, I enjoyed putting those books together. I mean, my kids were like, Oh, where's the real gift? And I'm like, <laughs> ha ha ha. But I saw them reading them later on. You know what yeah. I mean? They went back and they went through them and I know that they keep them on them shelf, their shelves. And I know that those things matter to them. They do. And, you know, Kimberly, this is funny. We, you know, my, we've talked, I've talked with my girls, you know, as they've grown up and um, I, I love that. I'm going to use that and tell my daughters about that for mm -hmm. our grandsons. Cause that's a great gift. They will keep that forever, uh -huh. but I would write my girls a Christmas letter, you know, every year when they were growing up and my one daughter who, you know, we, we, fought a little bit more than the other daughter. And, you know, she would be in her room and think mom doesn't love her anymore. And you know what she would do? She would pull out those letters that I would write her at Christmas time and she would read them and she would remind herself, my mom does love me, <laughs> you know? So you never know how those letters, how they're going to impact them. You just do it out of obedience and, you know, let the outcome up to God, right? Yeah, for sure. All right. What's next? What, uh, what are we on? Number six. I got to go fast through these. Uh, <laughs> help create one-on-one -on -one time for your husbands with your kids. Um, you know, some dads are super, super intentional. Others are caught up in, you know, um, providing for the home and they're not home a lot. Mm -hmm. So they might need the mom to help with that a little bit. Um, so I think that that's something 
helpful is just to create that for the dad to have a date with the daughter or to take the kids to a baseball game or whatever. And mom, go get a pedicure, not be a part of it, but let dads have that time too. I'm not saying all the time, but you know, every once in a while, helping them create that one-on-one time. Yeah, for sure. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. And then um, next, I think love your children in view of eternity. Have that eternal perspective when you're raising your kids, when you're seeing them, um, because it does change the way you parent and will change the way you you look at them um, of just thinking, you know, eternally rather than just the here and now. Um because there is this other world that we don't know of yet where we're going to be forever, right? And so having that eternal perspective, I think, helps just have good perspective, a better perspective. Yeah, I've had to remind myself sometimes when we get into these things at home and we feel like they're the biggest thing we're dealing with and I have to slow down and I have to say... (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is this, does this have, you know, eternal impact or is this just something that we're not going to remember next month or, you know, a year from now? And so, yeah, majoring on the things that have eternal significance versus the things that don't is something yeah. I've had to coach myself through for sure. Yeah. It, you know, it's all, I mean, everything we're talking about is, you know, it's not, we're not the perfect mom but we're living life on purpose, you know? And I think that that's what moms need to know. We're not going to be the perfect mom. We're not going to raise the perfect children, but if we can live it on purpose and actually the next, the next point is, you know, being present in the now, you know, not worrying so much about, Oh, when they go to preschool or when they leave for college or, you know, those are all, I'm not, I'm not saying we don't plan because I'm probably the biggest planner there is, but being flexible is is really important. Right. So I think that um, being present in the now, I think there's a book written like be where your feet are. I'm not even quite sure if that's the name of the book, but maybe it's the tagline. Um, But I love that because so many times we're not, we're thinking too far ahead. Um, I I love this quote that Mark Batterson said in one of his books. He says, time is measured in minutes, but life is measured in moments. And it's those small moments that link together our our timeline, you know? And so those those moments are really important to to be in the moment of. And I'm trying, even as a grandparent, um, you know, you get a second chance, at parenting and realizing the importance of pouring into your children. And I think I've beaten over my daughter's heads. They've gotten it definitely better than I did when I was, you know, their age, but just, you know, being present in that moment, if it's playing with a dinosaur and roar and, you know, like it's, it's okay. You know what? If if the dishes are still in the sink, it's okay. Kimberly, I remember the first time I ever went to bed with dishes in my sink. Oh, I thought the world was going to end. And I woke up and it was still here. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know? So it's, but that that's, that's what grandparenting is about, right? Yeah. You, you get that second chance. So, um, but yeah, being present in the, in the now and just seizing those moments. Okay. And that was eight. What's that? Yes, that that was eight. eight. So we have nine and 10. All right. Um, Nine is friendship with your kids is not for the rearing stage. 
Um, and I, I see so many people, you know, moms who really want to have that friendship with their kids and, and that I'm not saying you can't have moments of friendship, you know, but it, it shouldn't override the discipline, you know, of, of your children. And for us, I mean, definitely by college in college was when I, I felt like those friendships started to be more of, you know, friends rather than mom, daughter type of thing. Um, moments of it definitely in high school, you know, there's, you have your moments in high school where are hard, but you can definitely see glimpses of, of how that could eventually happen, you know? So um, yeah, for us, college was definitely the years that our friendships were built. Yeah. I had a talk with my daughters recently um, about this transition that we're going through. And I said, you know, I want to be I know that I have a role as a parent and I know that as you get older, I want to be more of a friend and I'm going to mess it up a little bit about where those lines are mm-hmm. um, because I want to encourage and even sort of enforce some things, but I also need your feedback and I also want your opinion and I also want your buy-in. Like, I don't want to be dragging you places. I want you to have respect for who I am as a person. And I want you to say, oh, mom really cares about that. Maybe that's not my thing, but we're going to go along with it because it's important to her. And that's a friendship move. That's not a child move. Cause for, right. you know, for years I've been able to just tell them we're doing this. This is what we're doing. This is who we are as a family. Right. And so, yeah, we had an honest conversation about like, I'm going to get some things wrong and I'm doing my best to give you the space you need as an adult. And, um, and both my daughters were a part of that because the ones in high school and I want to, I'm still your parent. But I I want us to develop a relationship together and because I want the transition to be smooth and it's probably going to be rocky because it's new. Oh, yeah. And I think the fact that you said to them, I'm going to mess this up. You know, I think that's really important for our kids to see that we're not perfect and apologizing to them right when we have to. So they see that, you know, hey, mom doesn't get it right all the time. Yeah, Um, I, I know one of my daughters grew up thinking, oh, mom's perfect. You know, no, I'm not. And then when I, you know, and I, and I did apologize, you know, through the years. Um, but, you know, there was, there was a, a, a really important moment where I had to apologize for something that I, I really did that wasn't godly, you know, mm-hmm. with her. And, mm-hmm. and, and that was huge for her. And I think when you do that, it gives them the space then to be able to come back and say, hey, mom, I didn't do something that I should have done, or I did something wrong, or, you know, this is what they then know, okay, you're a safe place. You've done something wrong. You've not lived or whatever, or, you know, you said something you shouldn't have, you know, they see that that you've done that. So then they feel like, you know, you're giving them, not that we want them to go and do anything bad and wrong, but it gives them that freedom then to security, right? And trust to be able to come back to you and say, hey, I, I messed up mom in this area. So I think that's that's great that you did that. Yeah, I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. So number 10, this is my favorite. Um, it might not seem super godly, but I really do think it is because as I mentioned in Deuteronomy 6, it says that we are to teach our children when we're laying down. And my biggest thing is never stop tucking your kids into bed. I think that's so important, no matter what age they are. And and Kimberly, you probably can 
understand this too. I just think that there's so much that's talked about. There's so much um, communication in the dark room of a moon coming through the window. They will share things with you that they might not share it at other time, another time. And so I just think that is really important of, of tucking our kids in no matter what age they are. And listen, when my girls came home from college, oh dear Lord, I was like, I need a vacation from this Christmas time. You know, you're up watching Hallmark and you're going to bed at one o'clock in the morning, but I'm still getting up at six. They're sleeping in until noon. I'm exhausted. And I'm like, I can't do this again. And so, you know, the tra- talk about transition when when they were in college, they would start tucking me into bed. You know, they would. And even when they spend the night now and their family spend the night, a lot of times our girls will come into our bedroom and just sit on the bed and just, you know, talk about the end of the day or um we, we do this really fun thing, which is my new book coming out called High Low Buffalo. And um, it's the high of your day, the low of your day. And then Buffalo is just that random um, surprise that happens during the day that you never thought would happen. And oh, so, you know, now they're tucking me in. Um, and so I just I think that's really important, even though we're tired. Um, and then maybe you and your husband have to split up and one tucks one in, one tucks the other. Mm-hmm. You know, we were fortunate for up through eighth grade, our girls slept together in a queen size bed. That was their option. They had their own bedrooms. So it was kind of nice, you know, tucking them both in. But then when they did separate, it was also nice having the separate conversations, you know. So, yeah, tucking your kids into bed, don't ever stop doing it. Yeah, that's something I look back at and I'm like, oh, I think I stopped too soon. Um, you know, there was like a tr- couple of tra- you know, once they got old enough, right, to take care of themselves and do everything on their own and they would want me to come in and talk to them. And I did for a very long time. But then I knew that if I were to like snuggle with them and talk with them, then I would be done for the night. And so <laughs> there was this season where I was like, I still was going through the motions, but I was like, I can't, I can't get tired. I can't get tired. <laughs> I know, or you could fall Um, asleep. (laughs) Right, but now they do go to bed later than me, but I will make sure that I go into their room or wherever they are and kiss them goodnight and say goodnight. And I don't go to bed without that. Like there's been times when I'm in bed and I'm like, oh, I got to get up, get up, go talk to them, you know, just give them a hug, give them a kiss, whatever. And just have that sort of as a touch point in the evenings. And so, yeah, we do do that. And we've gone seasons where like, mom is tired. So if you want to hang out and watch a TV show, come snuggle with me in my room. Like, right. but those evening hours are really important. Yeah. I remember when I was a young mom, an older mom than me in this, like a season ahead of me, she would say to me, Jesse, you should nap during the day so you can stay up at night. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my goodness. It's so true. <laughs> oh my gosh, for sure. I am. I don't stay up late. And so it's been okay so far, but definitely like I'm like, this is weird. My kids are still up or they'll even have a friend over. And I'm like, good night, guys. Oh, you know, yeah, like- I know. <laughs> yeah. And then tucking in could be just like what you're saying. You go in, you say good night. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 10 o'clock. I need to go to bed. I know you're not. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. So and I've um, even done now, like so we've had this conversation, me and my friends about like our kids getting up on their own versus us like waking them up. And so my kids all have alarms, but that's one thing that I feel like I've redeemed in the sense of like, I will go in every morning Mm -hmm. and say, good morning. And like, you know, just 
kind of, again, back to that morning routine of setting them up for success. They don't need me to wake them up. They should be old enough to get up on their own, but it's just enough to say, Hey, this is what I'm making for breakfast. How are you doing? Like, even if they're grumpy, trying to just be like, all right, I love you. I'll be waiting for you. Like just whatever it is to like joke around with them or just encourage Mm -hmm. them. Um, I have made that a, a practice, even though it's not something that they need for me to do. Yeah. Well, Kimberly, you're doing a great job. Yeah, <laughs> you really are. You're doing such a good job. Just, you know, from hearing the things that you do, your kids are going to appreciate all of it. Um, you know, if they're not appreciating it now, yeah. they absolutely will. And wait till they're a parent. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Then they will really appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, they do like my one daughter's like, when I have kids, da, 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 and I'm like, okay. Let's see if that actually happens. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I remember when my one daughter was pregnant and she's, you know, we had, a, they, they had a good life growing up with us and that, but you know, there's definitely things that, you know, they would change. And mm-hmm. I remember walking in the grocery store one when she was pregnant and she said something and I said, boy, you know what the great thing of this is you get to take everything dad and I did really, really well and use it. And then those things that we didn't, you get to change them. So let's yeah. see how you do with that. Yes. You know? Yes. That's so, so good. I mean, that's really what we want, you know, because we weren't perfect, of course. Yeah. No, there's no perfect parent. Um, and so it, it's it, it's really fun now watching my girls parent. And um, but I will say it's it's hard to keep your mouth closed. <laughs> yeah, you know, at times. That's but, the bonus um, number 11. <laughs> It is a bonus. Oh my, that's another whole episode. Yeah. Parenting grown kids, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even as you transition into that coaching phase, as they become teenagers, like what I'm, I'm, I've learned to change what I say, how I say it. I make suggestions, you know, versus telling them what they need to do. I let a lot more natural consequences happen so that they learn their lessons. And it's hard. um, It is hard. It takes a lot of discipline. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Okay. So you are coming to my neighborhood um, right around the time when we're um, releasing this episode to do a conference. Um, yes. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Um, we're giving away a free ticket. So we'll tell you a little bit about that in a second, but tell me about the conference and what can we it can expect and where it's at. Sure. Thank you. Yeah, we're um, coming to New Jersey, Montclair, New Jersey, Montclair Community Church on April 23rd. It's, a, uh, it's called the Real Mom Conference. So it's a conference for moms of any age, um, they're welcome to bring their nursing babies with them too, if they need to. Um, but there'll be, a, it's just a day until about one o'clock. There will be a lunch involved, but there will be two keynote sessions. And then there will be a breakout session for moms to choose what they want to go to. One of them um, is raising boys to men, um, parenting teens, how to help your child be a, a leader, and then just writing out um, your mission and vision as a mom. So there's a lot of different, you know, four different sessions that they can choose. And then we'll have a panel discussion and worship. Uh, we're really excited about it. We've we've had a few conferences online and in person before COVID happened, but this is going to be in person. And so, yeah, we're, we're very excited about it. We hope that moms will be able to come out and just kind of 
take the day off and do something for themselves, you know, on that, on that morning until one o'clock. So yeah, we would love to give a ticket away. And um, I'm excited because I'm in Pennsylvania. It's not that far away from where we live, but I'm excited to, to bring this conference to New Jersey. Yeah. So if you want to be entered to win a ticket to this event, share this podcast episode and be sure to tag Build Your Best Family and also tag Jesse. And I'll link to where you can find registration for the event, plus where you can find Jesse on social in the show notes. Great. Thank you so much, Kimberly, for having me. I, I hope to come back on again. This was so fun. Yes, I enjoyed this. Thank you so much. You're welcome. If you'd like to connect beyond the podcast, you can find me over on Instagram. It's my favorite place to hang out and share the ups and downs of everyday life, what we get right and what we get wrong too. You can find me at, at Kimberly Amici and you can find the podcast at, at Build Your Best Family. Remember, family culture is not about perfect, it's about purpose.